Hello, happy New Year, Dunby. Happy New Year. How was your New Year's Eve? There's only one right answer. Um, I <laughs> saw Varshini, so you can guess. I'm just kidding. It was amazing. Um, that was the right answer. Good oh, job. No. Yeah, no, it was a fun night. Um, I just like want to be out of this phase when we just like don't have homes because we're like sad post grads or soon to be grads, and then we have to like go bar hopping because like I love bar hopping, but on New Year's Eve I really just want to be like at a house party with all my friends and then. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, how was your New Year's Eve? It was pretty awesome. I was like sad as it approached midnight, but then I like vocalized my sadness. And then two of our other friends who were in the friend group, they were like, oh wait, I'm all, wait, like I'm also sad, but I didn't want to say anything. And then we were sad together, then we became happy. And um, I posted this really unfortunate Snapchat on my Snapchat, which was like, 2018 is the year for sad boys. And a lot of people actually like messaged me back on that and they were like, oh my God, yes, this is my mood. And I was like- Oh, so we're all depressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any New resolutions? LMAO, no, fuck that. I've never been able to make sustainable change of anything in my life. That's true. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. It's just like, I'm still like, I don't feel like the new year. I don't know. New Year's is like one of those holidays I usually get so hyped for. And this year I just like wasn't really. And then, it, and then like when midnight turned, I like didn't even really, it was like, whatever. I don't know. It was weird. And um, I didn't realize it was like not 2017 anymore like I, I don't know like I, I feel like it's still somehow an endless December, yeah and like I was at work today and I just like felt not different at all and I I don't know um, are you looking forward to this year though um well I've been reading horoscopes um for this year and it looks like okay. Capricorn's gonna have a good year so yeah I mean in that sense um okay <laughs> um I can you read mine? Let me know, like, summary. Okay, so Varshi and I saw each other on New Year's. A little big surprise. Um, and we okay. we were at this bar, and <laughs> um, I needed to pee so bad. Like, it was, like, really oh. urgent. Okay, of course, the women's bathroom has, like, such a long line. I will never understand why women's and men's bathrooms in bars have the same number of stalls. Like women need to go to the bathroom so much more than men need to go to the bathroom. Also men can probably pee anywhere and like most likely will when intoxicated. So why not just like eliminate? Anyway. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, of course we like start like encroaching on the guy's line cause there's like barely a line. And so we're like all trying to go to the bathroom in the guy's bathroom. And it's like one urinal and one like toilet, but no door on the stall. And um, we had made a line of the girls and we were like letting all the girls go. But then as soon as a guy showed up, we like let him go to the bathroom cause like it was their bathroom. And it got to the point where like, we were literally bouncing the guy's bathroom and like no one said anything. Like the guys were so cooperative. They were just like, oh yeah. I hear them and changing tides. Yeah, and they were like, oh, okay, who's next? Like, do you need to pee? Like, oh, wait. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and then there was one guy who, like, walked. It was, oh, like, his God. turn. What? And he was like, I need to take a poo. Like, I have to poo. Like, I gotta take a shit, y'all. Yeah, he like, literally like, said, oh, this is awkward because I need to take a shit. And I was like, get the fuck out of the bathroom then. We all need to pee before you take a shit. Unlike the super cooperative, helpful men in the line that we bounced to technically their bathroom, the men that we're going to be talking about today are absolute dirty diapers. They are brown boys. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, today we're talking about brown boys, um, <clears throat> and we're going to go into all the semantics of it, but um, basically it'll be like a series of episodes where we cover topics of brown men, how they are in this world, and all that sort of shit. We're trying to cover like everything that the light touches in a sense with them, um, because we want to have like comprehensive episodes, but before we do that... We uh, want to start with the disclaimer. A lot of what we say is based on our own experiences. So we're going to just put out one blanket disclaimer and then not have to do it for the rest of the four episodes. 
We are not going to be apologizing for anything we say. Uh, we hope that you have the emotional intelligence level of an amoeba or any single cell creature to understand that we are not saying this is every single brown guy or whatever. If you're a cool, good person, you should not be super offended by this. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, just to just whatever you said i like we're both definitely the type of people who um we're so conscious of the fact like we don't want to generalize our experience to be someone else's so we always say like oh you know this is just like something i felt or this is just what happened to me and um i want us to kind of stop doing that in these episodes because the stuff that we're going to talk about is patterns that we see in virtually every group of brown men that we have ever encountered. Mm-hmm. And that means something. There is there is value in the fact that we are able to reach out to like every brown woman we know and she has like a fucking suitcase full of stories just like ours. That means that something is happening. So yeah, it's all based on personal experience, but that experience is rooted in very real things that are happening and um you know, the following episodes we are putting together after a lot of not only like personal heartbreak and just fucking turmoil, but objective observation, all of our emotional labor. I'm literally incapable of explaining anything to anyone anymore because I've had to do it for so many years. So I hope that you're able to stop thinking of this as just two bitter girls bitching and see kind of where we come from because there's so much value in our opinion and so little space for it to be heard so um here's out listen to all four episodes before you send us any hate mail please um that being said we're totally open to hearing what you have to say we want to hear your stories Um, and like yeah dm us but just like just think about it you know when your ta is like we have a 24-hour period before you can come talk to me about your grades. That's the policy we're going to implement here. Like, please call us out if you feel like we're being wrong or whatever. But think about it for, like, 24 hours. Like, sit with it and then talk to us. And, yes, do not minimize our experiences or the experiences of any of the people that we have talked to. Because, like Sandy said, you know, a lot of empirical data to back this up. Yeah. And maybe your experiences have been different, okay? Which is kind of hard for me to believe. But maybe they have. Maybe. cool. Good for you. Yeah. Maybe the brown men in your life are amazing and kind and respectful and just, like, fucking awake. But those are not our experiences. And they're not the experiences of our friends. And it is such an issue that we feel, like, so passionate to talk about it. So... We're going to, and it is going to be a lot of the stuff that happened to us. And um, the least that we can ask, I hope, is for just some open minds. Yeah. Yeah. Let's begin what we hope will be an order that, whether you're South Asian or not, um, you can kind of follow. So, Dundee, let's talk about first what a brown boy is. Yes. It is. A literal dumpster fire. Yeah, literally the first bullet in this outline says a literal dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> I just, like, have nothing else to say. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, <laughs> quite technically, we when we say brown men, we mean, or, like, brown boys, um, we're talking about, uh, like, South Asian American men, usually South Asian American men, um, but definitely South Asian. So, like, Indian, Pakistani sri lankan fijian it's just like people who are kind of part of that um Mm -hmm. collective desi identity um is what we term as brown boys and i know um a lot of people like will say brown men and they mean like other people of color like hispanic people or like um you know afro-latina people um specifically when we say brown boys we mean just desi people just because that's kind of like the language we grew up with and now it's about owning that term so that's like the most technical what it means Um, going like past that into more of why we decided to talk about this is because brown boys like are our direct counterpart growing up like that's who you get compared to like that's who you grow up with and frankly there are better treated more privileged but asinine counterparts like they yeah yeah Yeah. theoretically you're they're your equals right because like okay we're they're they're brothers and dads and uncles and like all the men in your life are brown men because we are 
part of a South Asian community. Um, so theoretically, those are your equals, your peers, your contemporaries, but they're mm-hmm. like not. There's like nothing equal about their experience to ours. Um, and even the things that are are so mired in their own privilege that like you can't even relate to the things that they go through because it has just all been like affected by how privileged they are over us because as we talk about you know like it starts right from the beginning and then kind of like becomes something that 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 privilege becomes something that they actively hold on to at the expense of brown women so um like the early end of their lives were the ones who their parents are treating shittier than they're treating them and then on the other end of their lives were the ones that they treat shittier than they treat other people And so it's just like literally the story of our lives is the story of brown men being treated better than us. Absolutely. And think about them also, like Femme said, is that they're treated better than us. So the another thing we want to kind of say towards the beginning of this episode series is that um, because they're treated better than us and even though they have their own fair share of shit to work through a lot of what they have to work through are uh stereotypes that would really just help them succeed in society for example they're supposed to get a good job they're supposed to go to good college supposed to like be like a provider in their family whatever 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 like things that are like that the things that they aspire to are like things that can only set them up to help them in life like socioeconomically whatever yeah there's probably emotional damage but um, for a brown woman, like, we don't even have that. Like, uh, a lot of it is, that we have to deal with is getting over our shit and things like, you shouldn't be too outspoken, but you should, like, have an opinion, but you should know when to voice it, but you have to be successful, but then, like, brown guys are, like, uncomfortable with brown women's success. So things like that, like, the, the things that we have to overcome to be functioning great people in society are really detrimental and, like, much bigger obstacles than what they need to become to be successful quote yeah. unquote yeah and all stuff that we're gonna go into after yeah. and I think we just kind of like um touched on it but why we feel the need to talk about brown boys um so sometimes um it's better to just kind of leave the trash out have it picked up on trash day so you don't have to fucking think about it. I think we already kind of touched on it because uh, it's hard not to just like go for it when we start talking about it but um the reason that we want to talk about brown boys today is because um bigger picture like we just have so much work to do as a south asian community and there's so much discourse that we just like haven't done and like specifically the south asian american community like we're going to devote at least part of an episode to this, but we have so much power and influence in this country and we don't use it. And, and you, as someone who's like actively trying to talk about things or change things or just like bring any level of consciousness to the table, you're met with this like pathological inertia to be socially active. I mean, people in our community encourage ignorance, like in social spaces. And that is, like that is something that needs to be addressed immediately no more n- there's no more time important than right now when like nuclear war is literally on our fucking horizon <laughs> so like <laughs> i just like i just think that we have not talked about this for so long and like frankly this is like like we can't really do the big things until we like get clean house you know and get our shit together and like bring our put all our ducks in a row and like finally get people to stop raising their men to be complete idiots yeah and i think uh like that said now is one of the most important times for us to do this because we're also getting a lot of representation of brown people in media or small for sure but it's becoming more common for example we have like aziz ansari out there we have hassan minaj we have kumail nanjiani like we have all these people and especially the last one kumail big sick um not a fan i feel like we should do a whole episode on that later like i was a fan of like the way the characters were developed i was a fan of the way the parents were written for the most part like i thought those things were really funny but a lot of it not very helpful towards brown women like for example the fact that he kept all of the bio datas of the women that came to see him which first of all they were all really cool like for the most part they seemed really cool and then 
they were written as caricatures of themselves and then after that at the end he literally burns all their pictures and gives the ashes to his white girlfriend as a sign of his commitment and love that is a sentence i said and that's thing that happened in the movie and when it did happen i was like this is not happening <laughs> it was the worst so yeah, I think uh Yeah, and like Aziz like said offhandedly in an interview that he would never work with brown women and just like Ajit Pai like fucking over net neutrality for everyone. Oh my God. Yeah, so dude. like all the all the brown men who have made it to power for the most part, like they they reflect the community that they came from and it's not doing so hot right now. So it- Really not. Yeah, so that's, like, the big picture, right? Like, that's why we want to talk about it. Like, that's a big part of it. But also, like, brown boys suck. Like, outside of, like, political and social influence, you know? Like, on a day-to-day, the men that we meet and interact with are awful. And they have screwed us over countless times. And I really think that there can be patterns to people's behavior, like, socially that just exist in your daily interactions. You know, it doesn't have to be this like big life-changing, like earth-shattering thing. I mean, it is, but it doesn't have to be. Like you mm-hmm. can never know a famous brown boy in your whole life and still know a bunch of shitty ones because like they all suck, if that makes sense. Exactly. Okay, so to make this simpler, Gunvi has come up with um, this great categorization of brown boys and we have added to it and we have change things over the years but here is the version that we're currently working off of now our goal in the future maybe in a year or so when we do when we revisit this but as we want to like every now and then this changes for the better maybe but uh right now this is what we have and we have category one and two uh that means they taking a behind gulp water because she's about to spill the tea <laughs> um yeah lol so basically in college uh I I literally started college off by just being like let down by a series of brown men like right after the other. It was like really quick, quick. And um such a gross understatement. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, so I had to do a lot of like uh self-reflection, not because I was like trying to do big things because I was literally like on the floor weeping constantly. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And <laughs> so this, <laughs> this uh, categorization of brown men kind of is one of the things that came out of the ashes of literally like the worst year of my life. Lol. Anyway. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. So basically I, I like was able to just kind of have enough know enough different kinds of brown men that I was able to see like patterns with specific subsects of them. So I put them into groups. So each category, there's two, each one has like a fuck boy and dream boat archetype or like character mm-hmm. type basically. Um, like the potential to do great good, but the potential to do great evil. Yeah. Like- and <laughs> it's not really an equal categorization because the fuck boy always exists like definitely exists more than the dreamboat does like the dreamboat is more of like theoretically this person should exist just because of the laws of like equal and opposite things existing in this world but like realistically they don't always exist and if they do they're in so much smaller numbers so it's kind of a skewed characterization system because I developed it off of the fuckboy archetype and then I was like, I guess there could be like a good version of him somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's like, that's my one little caveat about this. So uh, let's get started. So category one um, is all brown boys who were like really, the easiest way I can say is brown boys who are raised in brown town. Um, and you know, another little definition thing, Brown Town is just like South Asian community pockets in this country, um, of which there are a lot, you know, it's, uh, I think like, I just, as immigrants, we all kind of like end up in the same places and like, yeah. so, and exactly. And I mean, our parents like wanted to be around people who are like them when they moved to this country. So like, we really like attracted ourselves to those places and that has built like really present communities. So all of the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. Um, the OC boy, Irvine, Cerritos, 
Simi Valley. Like. <laughs> Basically all of California, honestly. Because there's like... All of California. Yeah, there's like really no part of California we've left untouched. Um, a lot of the East Coast. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in like Texas, Georgia, um, and... Also, brown towns happen, like, in high schools. They happen in colleges. Um, They're messes. Yeah. Also, like, all the places, like, Jhumpa Lahiri writes her books about. Just, like, these, like, obscure East Coast, like, college-based Ivy League towns. That's, like, that's, those are all brown towns. Yeah. 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 So, um, category one boys. Um, and this is all of them, like fuck boys and dream boats. They always had brown friends. They always had like brown communities and brown circles growing about, growing up. And the result was they never really had to venture too far into white America if they didn't want to, right? There was like a big enough cocoon for them to really like grow up without really like experiencing that moment of being like, oh fuck, I'm different. Yes. That's uh, like a broad overview of what category one is. So a category one fuck boy therefore it's just like your most default setting awful brown boy He's on the washing machine um except it soils your clothes <laughs> <laughs> so the opposite of washing yeah <laughs> so um this is just like what category one boys are in general like um i think in general they they're defined by that ability to really like stay within a a solid circle of brown friends and like um, colleagues and coworkers and whatever, like their whole growth happens within like the cocoon of South Asian development, Um, which is kind of the future that your parents probably wanted for you, but like not necessarily the one that is like what you should have. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, your parents are like thrilled that you have all brown friends, but like, are you really growing? I don't think so. Um, yeah. That's category one. And now getting into the nuances. Yeah. Both categories split into A and B, which we have very te- technically named Fuckboy and Dreamboat. Yeah. So going to the first one, the Fuckboy, the default setting, the Rahuls and the Rajas, the up texters of Brown Town. Yeah. So like I said, this categorization was based off of the very definite existence of the fuckboy. So like this person, you know this person. Like he's you know him. He works in your office. He's fucking friends with you. I don't know. He you know him. Like he's just oh my god. Said to you before, we never said we were exclusive. Yeah. Don't catch feelings like it's some sort of fucking disease. Um says don't catch feelings while also like flaunting his complete lack of emotional intelligence so also they're like really obsessed with bollywood and also shara khan has played this character every every character srk played from like 85 to fucking 99 is like and even now sometimes which is shocking i know that's true at your ripe age Okay, yeah, why are they still casting one as a hero? He's literally in his 50s. Okay, never mind. Anyway, but no, the Bollywood thing is true because these guys also, like, love Bollywood. They call brown girls crazy, but they, like, idolize the Bollywood fantasy. We literally know a guy who says things on his Instagram captions as he's looking off at the distance, wearing a suit, those, like, empty pants that are, like, kind of short at the ankle. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? Anyway... He says things like, just looking for my Bollywood love story with a brown girl who has a nose ring, a.k.a. Dunby is not safe. Oh, my God. Yeah, but, like, we know this person. He would, like, never in real life, so he's just, like, full shit. Um, Yeah, Dunby is hunted by these types of men because of her nose ring and great nose. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, basically... um, He's just like your local finance fuckboy, startup fuckboy, tech fuckboy. Like, the, he it travels does. in packs because he's, like, afraid to be alone because he's, like, really not that strong. Um, <laughs> uh, he's actively, actively looking for someone to make his chai and do his laundry and feed his ego until he fucking dies. Um, basically, he's, like, searching for mom in a brown girl. Yes. Um, he does not know how to wipe his ass. 
Yeah, he, oh my god, he didn't do a single chore until he came to college. Um, Even then? Even then found a way around it. Even then found a way around it. Like, probably shacked up with, like, the first brown girl that he met and then had her do his shit. Like, kill me. Kill me before I make a bed for someone who's, like... We literally knew a girl who would make this guy's bed every morning. What is that? What is that? The only chore he does is, like, clean his um, blender bottle, but, like, also skips leg day, so... So it's useless. I hate men who skip leg day. They all skip leg day, okay? Um, (laughs) uh, In a a more, like, in a less abstract way, a Category 1 fuckboy is, like, directly benefiting from the struggle and work of every generation before him, both South Asian and not. He's living off of the privilege that has been given to him by people who came before him, okay? So if you think about it realistically, like, he is a first or second generation immigrant, which means his parents fucking came to this country, slogged their asses off to give their child this, like, amazing life, and this is what he's doing with it. Like, nothing of value, okay? There's no foresight, no no desire to, like, do something positive for this world. He's just, like so content to live in the middle where he's just gonna like go to college have some like engineering or cs or finance or econ degree that gets or you STEM, god forbid yeah like some jobs straight out of college he'll go he'll get a job he'll marry some sad brown girl who thinks that this is the version of the life she wants to and then that's it they just like stay in that like they never there's no broadening of the minds yeah i literally knew a guy um and this girl who he literally verbatim told me that they were for sure going to get married after college because one, he thought that their problems would go away after college. I don't ask me his words, not mine. And two, because it would just be easy and they would be successful together and have a lot of money and like look good together. So he didn't see any cons. I, I just, I, so confusing, loves Bollywood, but also does this, unsure, unsure, um, this is the kind of guy that's like openly, openly and confidently misogynistic, racist, specifically anti-black, homophobic, it's the n-word with such vehemence, like with such conviction, it's, it's shocking, like, Oh, it's so bad. Like, God forbid Kanye's gold digger comes on. Just, no, no. Kanye's gold digger, like, that was middle school. This is, like, Futures no, era. People so hyped now. Don't yeah, worry. yeah, yeah. But, like, like, oh, my God. The N-word thing, you guys, is such an issue. It's so bad, y'all. Yeah, and then, so the ugly. and because of the way that he is, right? Like, he brushes off any criticism, especially if it's from a girl, and, like, will not listen. So there's no hope at recovery. Um, some other things about him, travels in packs uh, of brown men. <laughs> uh, he doesn't think the wage gap exists. I literally had this guy... Uh, tell me that the wage gap wasn't real because like not that many women were in STEM and like men in STEM make more than women in not STEM and like that's what was used and I was like first of all if you think that those like the wage gap statistics are out there because no one realized that you need to compare people who are working in the same profession you're a fucking idiot secondly you think that it's just some happy accident that there are no women in stem like what what do you think that is a function of like you don't think that's like directly the patriarchy like oppressing women's ability to like advance higher and get make high paying jobs and get paid the same amount to do the same fucking work like I don't understand how those neurons don't fire automatically but like they don't for these men is what I'm saying I am shook and I'm infuriated. Like, so just to wrap this up, basically, we all know this person, right? As someone who's emotionally illiterate, manipulative, toxic, racist, entitled, and lives a life of determined homogeneity. Like, he is bent on never waking up from that fucking drug-induced dream that he's living in that is not the real world. He's never going to, like, unless something really drastic or awful happens to him, he will never think about like the reason that he's afforded the things that he's afforded and why he has the power that he has or he doesn't have some power like nothing 
no, no, nothing going on upstairs. <sighs> okay, that's it. I let it all out. I'm mad. Yeah. I felt. <clears throat> but we're gonna move on to the dream. Yeah. I know maybe zero to two people like this, but Same. I am struggling to name both of them. <laughs> um, I'd say like the category one a- dreamboat is like most of the men in my family like like my cousins and um like my dad and my brother or my uncle sorry um actually i have some problematic uncles but like that's it's like family members yes family members yeah i think so too and um you know here's what we like to call them we like them we like to call them the carnatic class shy boys Oh. My favorite one has to be the Balavihar Baddie. Baddie. You <laughs> know who this is. The Amar Amor. Like, oh my god, that's my favorite one. Amar Chit- I think I'm going to make that my Insta bio, actually. <laughs> yeah, we came up with these. They're pretty good. The Balavihar Baddie, and you just like know who this person is, right? So let me like paint a picture. You're maybe in session one of your Sunday morning Balavihar um, program. Session two guys are terrible. They want to sleep in. They don't care about their Sunday morning Bobby Hart class, and they're like terrible people. But the session one kids, they come there. It's like seven thirty, eight in the morning. He's baby has like three different kurta tops to choose from, but he rocks them real well. They're all from Fab India. Um, <laughs> he's like a nice guy. He's like, hey, so um, how was? I don't know, Thyagaraja day for you. Like, I, I don't oh know. Maybe we're simplifying this too much, but... Yeah, we're making uh, this, like, really specific <laughs> because there are not that many examples. Next. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and these are things that the bodies I have known have asked me. They'll be like, so did you like Thyagaraja day? Did you do something after? Did you go to that cool taco place in the area? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Right uh, I'll do Exactly. <laughs> Um, so like I said, I have said already like four times, um, theoretically this, this character, like the, this archetype has to exist because of theories of reciprocity or like whatever. Um, but there's only moderate evidence that he does actually exist. Um, but basically what we're trying to say, Amr Chitrakrata Amor is my favorite one. Um, (laughs) we're trying to say basically he's just an emotionally considerate human being who is also like very rooted in cultural circles. Um, and yes. sometimes this is kind of specific and I, I want it to be known that this is not always true, but sometimes um, you can achieve a category one dreamboat from um, someone who comes from like a targeted South Asian group. So someone who's like visually or visibly South Asian, right? Um, so a lot of like the really cool South Asian people in media and film are from those groups, like Sikh people or Muslim people, because they've been like individually put through so much shit, like those subgroups of the South Asian community. So they've had to do a lot of that work that comes from being like a directly oppressed group. You have to be like, oh, what the fuck is happening? And you need to know about power structures. So like Hassan Minaj, I would say Hassan Minaj category two, but definitely Dreamboat, duh. Yeah, Yeah. but like as an example, (laughs) or for example, a lot of the Dreamboats that we've known in our lives have been South Indian brown guys because south indian people get such doo-doo from yeah. all the other brown people they're like oh so you're south indian recently as in like three weeks ago someone um on in this like group i'm in they were like oh my god you're south indian i did not even realize you're so light-skinned literally word for word yeah. something that someone said to me yeah. so yeah like south indian people go through a lot and like because of that south indian brown boys like kind of go through a lot yeah so i mean like we like- said not a hard and fast rule there's a lot of people who break that but like i think oh, yeah. like I, if i can just like picture in my head like if there's a group of brown boys and all of them are category one fuck boys but then there's like a south indian guy and he gets shit on the most because he's the south indian guy and they all have this like weird nationalism yeah. thing going then he has yeah, at least a chance to be like, why? What does this mean? And then could exactly, potentially exactly. It could potentially evolve into a dreamboat. But like, when you're not challenged, and you're never I, going to. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, so category one dream boats, carnotic music cuties. <laughs> <laughs> carnotic class cuties. Carnotic class. That's a good thing. <laughs> class puppies. a white supremacist organization look exactly and for some reason he also thinks that they're not secretly a white supremacist organization yeah so i too am shook about this but i was like aware of what was happening while i was in it so yeah yeah if you're hashtag aware it's like fine um kind of yeah <laughs> yeah so category okay so a lunchbox moment right is um just a quick definition yet again because we say shit and people might not know um a lunchbox moment is just like when you're not when you're a person of color and then you're in a white space and it can be something and you have this like moment or not even white be white like it can just be like a not yeah like a not whatever person of color space right yeah um you just have this moment where it's like that glass shattering episode in how i met your mother where they all figure out what every other person's like unbearable flaw is and you just hear the glass shatter every time they do you have that moment where you're just like oh fuck like i'm not a white boy or white girl and Often it is called a lunchbox moment, you know, because you're in grade school and you bring like whatever, like they'll travel to school and, um, or if God forbid, Idlis. Yeah, Idli to school, fucking bring a dosa, heated it up in the teacher's microwave, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then you open your food and some like smelly white girl is like, oh my god, what is that? And then you're just like, oh fuck. I'm like not. I, I like, have been outed. I have been found out. Yeah, or like your mom comes to pick you up from school, and then these like really waspy white women are like staring at her salvarkamis and her like bindi, and then you feel that tangibly because they're like being fucks. And as a kid, like I think like all people of color have this. I think category one brown boys are able to avoid or repress it, but like category two brown boys lived in this space, right? Because they grew up outside of the comfort, quote unquote, of brown town, they really had to like interact with this on a day-to-day basis. And this shit fucks you up. Um, and so, but because, so category one fuckboys, like because they never dealt with it as people need to deal with the shit that happens to them, they internalize it and then it grows into this thing where they literally hate brown people. So this is like Bobby Jindal, whose literal birth name is Piyush. I mean, I would hate my name if my name was Piyush too. But the point is that he's like such a... What? No, keep Yeah, the point is like people like that, like they have turned the shit that they felt into this like they have this idea that like okay if i act white enough or like i'm like not all of these stereotypes that people have about brown people they might think that i'm white but the but the gag of white supremacy is that like you can never attain that that level of power that you feel that they have so you will always be selling yourself out to people who literally don't care about you so that's like the brown frat boy right the brown frat boy is in a frat with all white men 
he and his big and his little are literally just like the only streak of color in this frat. And he actively and openly shits on brown people. Wait, we have a story to illustrate this example. Because if you're wondering, hmm, this sounds like they got baggage in this one area. You can bet your some dollars that we do. So, we shall digress a little to tell you a quick story about the love of both of our lives from UC Santa Barbara. Yeah. Name redacted. <laughs> Name classified. <laughs> Um, okay, so basically when we were in college, um, there was this one frat name also redacted. I don't really fucking care, but, um, they had, uh, just, they were like all white. I mean, I mean, Santa Barbara is a very white school or, I mean, it's less white now, but it was when we went there, um, recently. And, uh, uh, there was this frat that just had this, like, it was all white and then just this lineage of like the most beautiful brown men I have ever seen in my life. Like... I think it was like maybe four guys and they all were like each other's bigs or whatever, you know, like they all, it was like a straight line of just color and then everyone else was white. Yeah. And, um, one of them specific, I just like, I need to somehow convey to you how beautiful these people were like literally chiseled from stone, like the most beautiful brown men I have ever seen. I was like... I literally, I saw, what? like, this guy that I'm going to tell you the story about, I saw him in the dying comments my freshman year, and it was, like, violins, like, fucking the Kohono scene where um, uh, he tries to propose to her with the violin group, and then it fails, but, like, the better version. Um, yeah, one time I saw them, like, they all have, like, deeper skin tones, and he was wearing these, like, tomato red swim shorts, and he was, like coming out of the ocean and I was like with my friend walking out the beach and we were just so we were just like blatantly staring because it just didn't make sense like it yeah in that make, moment we I understood thought, what I thought I, saw, I thought I saw Botticelli painting the birth of Venus oh my god moment. it's like wow they're just so it's not just that they're hot like they're so hot but it's just like they're beautiful okay um, it's yeah. not just that they're hot they're I, beautiful okay and i had a very unfortunate experience with the most beautiful one of them all so freshman year i um walked into this frat party their frat party and i was like totally not there by accident i was like looking for this guy and i walked <laughs> in with my friend and the he's like right there like literally in the door archway i was like wow this is heaven and um he loudly to no one in particular like there's no one there talking to him he's like oh shoot who invited the indians and i was with my friend who's also a brown girl and we just like looked at each other it was so jarring to hear that first of all and then to hear that from him and my instinctual reaction was just to be like damn who's gonna tell him um and he just like laughed about what did you say that out loud i said that out loud but he like wasn't listening to me <laughs> i'm saying i'm i'm serious like it was so knee-jerk to just be like wow who's gonna like tell him he's literally brown like what does he mean oh my god and the story. rest of the night like the rest of the night doesn't i mean not that i expected him to talk to me i look like a frog and i still do that's not the point but like just like that thing where you know that someone is purposely ignoring you like just like straight looking through you i was like dude it's not that deep like you can like treat me like a human being and like also not like give away that you're chill with brown girls to your frat boy brothers like you don't have to do this um but that's yeah. what it is that's what a category two fuck boy is like he he is so in the sauce about his own internalized bullshit that he will take it out and men will always take it out on women specifically brown men always take it out on brown women so these are the kind of guys that say like oh i don't date brown girls um who treat like dating white women as leveling up cough cough kumail nanjiani in the big sick what literally what are you leveling up in this is you're not a pokemon you're not gonna get any toys like i don't yeah exactly and in no way am i saying like you have brown people only have to date each other like that's not what i'm saying but like obviously you know when you're like dating a white girl because you're into her or when you're dating a white girl because like you think you're good enough or too good to date a brown girl exactly 
And to say, it's our fault, I will say this. I don't know, maybe this is just me. If you have also felt this, please let me know. But um, when I do see like a very white social structure, successful brown boy, I definitely do a double take. I'm like, oh, wait a second. Like, what is it about him? Because it's internalized on our end too, to a certain degree. Like, for example, when I saw this person that we're talking about, I was like, oh, shoot. So what is it about him? Like, so what's the deal? Like, what's up? And it's not good. And I'm not proud of it. But it does happen because then you're like, whoa. Yeah. No, I think that's normal because to see all the worst exactly it's normal because to see like someone of color doing well in a white space you're just like oh shit boy but then when you realize that he literally hates everyone that looks like him you're like oh shit boy boy (laughs) (laughs) oh god we're the worst all the grammatical structures of that (laughs) (laughs) but like you get it yeah 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 okay the other thing about category two fuck boys is like it's kind of so if you're trying to compare because sometimes I do I'm like who's worse like a category one or a category <laughs> two the issue is that like a category two fuck boy could have all this like weird race shit where he just like hates brown people even though he's brown but that he could also be like deeply misogynistic like one thing doesn't negate the other you know what I'm saying like exactly. like they I think best case exactly they can be all the bad things <laughs> like in the best case scenario a category one fuckboy is still a fuckboy and he still hates you because you're... I mean, a category two fuckboy is still a fuckboy. He still hates you because you're brown and he hates himself, blah, 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 blah. But then in the worst case, he's all of that. And also, he's like homophobic and super misogynistic and votes Republican. And that's how you get Bobby Jindal. Like, Bobby Jindal's the <laughs> worst kind of category two fuckboy. Because he could have been... He could have been... Piyush to Bobby, like, made that transition, but still registered Democrat. But he didn't do that. Nope. That's, like, that's the extreme. That's the key. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's the one thing about them. is like, I, I think I hate Category 1 fuckboys more because they are awful on all fronts. But I just don't know enough Category 2 fuckboys personally because they hate me because I'm brown too. To know that they're also awful in that, like, misogynistic and homophobic and just, like, gross sense. Yep. NL, overall. <laughs> and with that neat summation, let's go on to the unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> to Dreamboat. Again, as I said previously, I can name zero to two category one Dreamboats, but I can confidently say that I know maybe exactly one category two dream boat and even that's a stretch like that's <laughs> generous of me to like yeah label this person as such yeah exactly so you know as we've said probably eight times in this entire episode like intro episode whatever um the fuck boy always exists and the dream boat's existence is really really questionable yeah Yeah. dream boats are really mythical creatures and i however like i don't own any category one dream boats really but i do like a lot of my guy friends from high school i would categorize as category two dream boats what Um, makes them like what do you think blessed you with the ability to know so many of them no you know what the real question is why do you think that they are that way well i think Great questions. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think, <Okay. laughs> I think um, first of all, like, I grew up in such a white town that, like, just, like, everyone had a lunchbox moment. And, like, I moved here, like, in middle school. So, like, and I moved from, like, brown town to, like, non-brown town. So it was kind of a shock for me in that sense. But, like, all the brown guys that I was friends with in high school, they, like, had always lived here. So they had kind of, like had those lunchboxes had the lunchbox moments early and often I think and so by the time they got to high school like all their gross like I think that like they had by the time I met them in high school and like really became friends with them they were kind of like evolving into category true dream boats from fuckboys like they had really just like 
had their like, you know, little temper tantrum about hating brown people as a brown person through middle school. And then now they were like, wait, that's fucked. Like, I can't do that. And then by the time you're like high school, especially like senior year when I got like really close with a lot of them, they were like really just chill and about it and had no weird like baggage associated with being Indian, at least not in the sense that they would like project it onto other people or like, you know, make an active effort to avoid Indian people or anything like that. Like they be, I felt like I could see them become more comfortable with their relationship with their race and ethnicity by the time we were in high school. And then it was like all fine. Yeah. So I'm not saying that these people just exist organically and they're just born and they're always a dreamboat, but like some people are willing to do the work and some people aren't. And the people that are end up as dreamboats. That's just it. So like, yeah. When you say it like that, actually, like now that I look back on it, a lot of the guys that I knew in high school too could be considered that way with actually one caveat. But so basically the town that I grew up in was very diverse in that it was not white, but there were like many different types of immigrant immigrant communities there. So people did have lunchbox moments, but you were able to bounce back quicker from it just because everybody was an immigrant. So like if you were in an elementary school or in a class or in a friend group where there was more of one type of group of people, they were still most probably almost 100% not white. So like people bounce back from it faster. So I think that that also helped and gave kind of a buffer. But one thing I will say about all of those brown guys, almost all of them, is that they still could not handle certain types of brown girls for sure. Like you definitely had to fit a mold for them to be able to process you, but their own shit with the world was a little bit better and like more so classified towards category, like a, a dreamboat category um, than anything else. But still the way they handled brown women or brown women that they couldn't easily label or identify was poor, terrible and misogynistic at the same time. So yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that like brings up a good point. I know we've like painted um, either side as like completely good or completely evil, but that's not at all what we're trying to say. Like they still obviously have their drawbacks because they are people. And unlike brown guys, we understand that people are people and they have different facets to their personalities. So this just happens to be one of, at least in my experience, the more common facets that you see to a category two dreamboat's personality is that while he may have come to terms with his own shit, he still does not know how to particularly treat brown women in structures of power, at least. Maybe he's okay with her in a romantic relationship, but if if he works under her, if he perceives her to be a threat, like I still think that he's kind of bad at that. And I think that is an overarching theme, overarching theme for most brown guys and nearly all of these categories, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, just to shout out what you said before, like, like, these are all just kind of like personality groupings. All of us, all of us, all brown women and men and everyone on this earth still has like a lot of work to do in all aspects of, you know, evolving and growing into better people. But like I said, like some people are willing to do the work and some people aren't. And I think the thing that truly separates a fuckboy from a dreamboat is a fuckboy is not willing to do the work because he's happy with the privilege and power that he has where he's at. Mm -hmm. And the dreamboat has done some work. And like, even if he sucks, you know, maybe you don't just, you just don't like him, but he doesn't have problematic politics. Like what I'm trying to say is if he's done some work, he's likely to do some more. Like at least Mm -hmm. you have something to work with, right? The door has been cracked and maybe you can put like a foot in. Exactly. Going back to something I said at the beginning, like the Brown community has such a pathological inertia of like involvement, right? There's, it's it's just like this like dead mass. We never want to like be active or involved in the world around us and that that comes from this right some people are willing to grow as people and some people just want to reach this like mediocre baseline where all systems are functioning but no one's really thriving and then just continue on that for the rest of their lives so that's why I think like going back to it this is a really important thing to talk about um but yeah totally agree with everything you said um I think brown women always face the fucking brunt of the flaws in brown men and um that ripped to us. I have yet to meet someone who has not 
who hasn't has treated me with the respect that I feel like I deserve. And that anyone deserves. Exactly. So um, that was our categorization. Hopefully you didn't get lost. If you needed to make some notes, draw some charts out, <laughs> I get it. Um, but um, that's that's basically what we wanted to kind of start you out on. So, you know, by the time we drop our um, episodes that really like dig deeper into various stages of a brown boy, um, like you kind of know where we're coming from and who we're talking about. Um, and I just like encourage you to, you know, explore in your own life and be like, cause I know, I know you're gonna find people who fit into these categories and um, just kind of do with that. So um, before we really like wrap it up, we just want to give you some highlights about what's to come. Um, so essentially what we're gonna do is explore the brown boy life cycle from tadpole to <laughs> treacherous amphibian. And um, we'll be... To like, late stage cancerous organism. Oh, yes. Always malignant. <laughs> Always malignant. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so we're going to try to like go in an orderly fashion to some degree. We're going to talk about um, initially a brown boy at his... Boy, like literal boyhood how his upbringing shapes him how his mother and father and like if he has any siblings or not how that works out the friend groups that he grows up in the immigrant community that he's either insulated in or the ice bucket of a not immigrant community that he's thrown into um and those types of conversations that he either is or not even conversations the type of knowledge that he either is or isn't equipped with to deal with either of those situations and then go on from there to like high school to college, which is a giant clusterfuck. Mm -hmm. um, but we will try to tease that apart. Um, and well, we aren't in our working post-college state yet. So we're gonna like talk to some friends, gather some information from their experiences and try to sum those up for you for that later stage and see if there's any hope in the beyond. Yeah. And then um, after we do the, I feel like Brown Boys in College is going to be our biggest episode. It's just like the bulk of our shit is really concentrated. Concentrated there. Um, and then like outside of, you know, following a brown boy through his life, um, it's going to be like, we're going to have a, hopefully have an episode of brown boys in romantic relationships, which is a big L for all involved. Um... And then brown boys and politics. And I think this is really going to be like our like biggest umbrella episode because um, I, we want to be able to talk about like brown men in politics. Yes. Um, and then umbrella out to South Asian Americans in politics and how like it's just this toxic gross cycle and um, how we have a lot of work to do. So hopefully that's a good wrap up of everything we've kind of been building to. Um, and... While when we're talking about brown, and when we're talking about brown boys in politics, please follow our Twitter accounts because actually I reached my first round of Twitter fame when I roasted Bobby Jindal. <laughs> uh, so you can follow and tweet me at Varshni underscore I and I and Dunby. What's your handle? It's T Grazada. Wait, fuck, is it? Let me check. <laughs> <sighs> Wait, it is hell it? is. Uh, you sound like the grudge when you make that noise. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's T Grazada. Just checked, uh, and then it's so it's at T G U R A Z A D A, and um, I like don't have a lot of followers, so don't be like this bitch runs a podcast because like yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Your grandma could run a podcast, okay. Um, just kidding, but this is actually a very difficult field that requires many skill sets that you really possess. I want people to think that they could just start this shit up, like, come on. Um, we need some barriers to entry to some degree. Just Yay. kidding. But, uh, to spell out mine, it's at V-A-R-S-H-I-N-I -I underscore I-N-I. -I. Also, like, feel free. Wait, actually... 
I want to say like follow me on Instagram, but like maybe. Yeah, get your followers, girl. Yeah, hey, listen, I have like no, also no, I'm just like not social media popular. I don't know how to take a picture. That's why. Okay. Um, follow me on Instagram at underscore T-A-N underscore. Tan, like beige, but then with two underscores on either side of it. Yeah, tan. My Instagram is the same as my Twitter because I'm building a personal brand. Don't follow Varshini on Twitter. She has like so many fucking, I mean, don't follow her on Instagram. She has so many fucking followers. She does not need more. It's like so humiliating to be her partner in this. <laughs> I think I literally have half the number of followers she has. Like I. Do you really feel that way? Um, I just think you're just like more popular than me. I'm not. Most people only hate follow me. I have a lot of hate followers. Okay, no one hate follows you. They're just like... Everyone hates me. Okay, see, it's not that deep. Anyway, my Instagram is at V-A-R-S-H-I-N-I underscore I-N-I. I feel like Janice Ian, okay, and you're Caddy or Katie or whatever Lindsay Lohan's name was. What the fuck? Oh, me. You know, and I'm Janice Ian. Like, Janice Ian didn't have a lot of followers, but Katie did because she was a fresh, hot thing. That's Because she made out with a hot dog. What? Wait. That no. was not her. Okay, whatever. We're disrespecting Tina Fey's work of art. Anyway. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway, toodaloo. Um, we hope to have the first episode ASAP. Um, but yeah, that's it. Thanks for joining us. Like, comment, click subscribe. Yeah, please subscribe Thanks to us on SoundCloud subscribe. and on your iTunes app on podcasts. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> 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 on the podcast app on iTunes at um, Cubby Lit. Bye. Yeah. Oh. Oh, shit. Bye. Bye. Keep it Cubby Lit. Cubby shit. <laughs>